Good morning. Oh, we're here. Good morning. <laughs> it's so good to be with you all. Will you stand and worship with us?
myself. Um, my, <laughs> y'all don't know who I am. Um, I'm Becky Bjorkman. I uh, am a, a, a friend of Matt's now, but a friend through James and Megan Collington, who I think came and have hung out with you a couple times. So I'm really excited to be here um, and just worship with you all today. Uh, so we are going to sing um, a new song for y'all, which is exciting, I think. Um, it's called Spirit of the Living God. So um, Yeah, just invite you to just continue worshiping with us. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice, you're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more, you're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice, hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more, hanging on every word. Just when you speak, when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see and what we see. When you come in the room, when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see and what we Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we're leaning into all you are, everything else can wait. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, come now and breathe upon our hearts, come now and have your way. When you speak, when you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see and what we see. When 
Worthy 
of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. church. This morning uh, we have the privilege of celebrating communion together and 
Um, you know, opening these can always be a challenge, but my precious husband pre-opened it. Thank you. So we're good to go. You know, the past couple of weeks um, in my Bible reading, I came across a couple of passages that really oh, hit home the message of communion. And in my Bible, I actually wrote communion next to it, so I know I'd come back to it when it was time to, to talk about it. But um, I wanted to share those passages with you this morning. And the first one is Colossians 1, 15 through 22, and it says this. The sun is the image of the invisible God. I thought, wow, you want to know God, just know, get to know Jesus, right? The firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things. So God looked at Jesus and was going to reconcile everything to himself through Jesus whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of all your evil behavior, but now, can you say but now? But now. now, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So this passage is an extensive praise of Jesus. Because of his blood shed on the cross, peace has been made between God and between us, and we have been reconciled to God. We were once alienated, but now we have been brought close. Because of his physical body, We have not only been reconciled, but we've been forgiven to present ourselves as holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Wow. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through um, the curtain that is his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Church, let us not take for granted what Jesus has done for us. We have been given so much in Christ. We've been given reconciliation to God, forgiveness of our sins, a holy and unblemished spirit, direct access to the Father, eternal life, Christ's blood. Because of Christ's blood, we have confidence to enter the holy place. That is the very presence of God. And because of his body given for us, the curtain, the barrier between God and us has been removed. And now we can draw near to God. 
if you are not close to God, if right now you're sitting there going, you know, I really don't feel close to God. If you're not walking with God the way you once have or the way you feel you should or the way you want to, this is the time to draw near. There is no need to stay at a distance. Because of Jesus, we can draw near to God. We just sang, Jesus, the name above every other name, the only one who could ever save, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. That is and should be the true posture of our heart when we consider and reflect on what Jesus has done and when we come to communion. Because when we take communion, the bread symbolizes his body and the juice symbolizes the blood that was shed for you and for I. And when we partake, we are declaring by Jesus' blood and only by his blood that we are forgiven. So right now, we are going to take communion together. I'm going to have this side come to my right and this side to my left to get the elements. And then once you've received the elements, we'll take communion together. And as you are are waiting in line um, this morning, I would like you just to thank God for all that we've been given in Jesus Christ. So at this time, you can go ahead and come forward. Church, let's pray and prepare our hearts for communion. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you. Thank you for um, being willing to lay down your life for us and reconciling us to the Heavenly Father. And we bow before you this morning in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Lord, if there's distance between us and you, God, we just want to say we're sorry. And we want to draw near to you. We want to draw near and be close to you. Reveal any sin that is in our hearts, any unforgiveness, any place where we're just not giving you total um, total access to our heart, God. And we want to give that to you now. And we do not want our relationship with you to be hindered. So, God, we just confess these things because our desire is to live for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus, the supreme sacrifice for all of our sins, Lord, past, present, and future. And because of 
his blood shed for us and his body broken for us, we can be free from the power and the penalty of sin. We can draw near to you in full assurance of your love for us. Thank you for his victory over death. And he, we know that he took the, uh, the death that we deserved. And he took our punishment. And now in Jesus we have been forgiven uh, and we've been saved. And today we remember and we celebrate all that Jesus has done for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, I'd like you to take a moment and greet those around you. Walk across the room and say good morning. Hey folks, if you could return back, we're going to continue our time of worship together.
every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Joe. <laughs> Jesus, I'm so grateful for you. <laughs> There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare your living hope, your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free. And my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. Sweetest of love, where my heart becomes free. 
Thank you so much, Becky, for being with us today. Sean, thank you for being with us, too. Yeah. And, well, Matt, thank you. Enjoy you. Steve, Sandy, Rudy, Dolly, all of you. Should I go through and name everybody by name? I could do it today. It would be... Um, yeah. Hey, you know, when I, was, uh, when I was in grad school a little over 30 years ago, I remember uh, I had a couple of buddies of mine. Um, one guy's name was Vince. The other guy's name was Tom. And uh, all three of us went, after we graduated uh, from seminary, all three of us went different directions. So Tom uh, planted, started a church down in Houston. Uh, Vince started, planted a church up in Rochester. And then Joy and I moved here, and we planted Solana Valley Church. And uh, uh, those three guys uh, were just, you know, in our time that we had while we were in school together, um, I mean, I love my classes. Don't get me wrong. I love my profs, too. I had a lot of really, really fantastic professors. I got to spend time with people who were um, just, you know, top-shelf theologians and stuff like that. But these guys, they were students just like me and all of us. God was just kind of working in our lives, and, and we were just seeking God's face and seeking God's direction for our lives and our ministries for the future. 
And, uh, and so what we would do is every Monday morning at 6.30, we would, we would meet together at McDonald's across the street from, uh, from Dallas Seminary. And we would just meet and we would share and we would pray. And what, what I have found in my life is whenever I have a really good, healthy connection with some other men, with two or three other men, where we have encouragement, where we have accountability, where we have, you just have guys who you know they're for you. I've I've found that in my life, I always do better when I have that kind of connection. So what I'm going to be doing is uh, the last Monday of July, that's July the 31st, uh, I want to invite you guys to my house, okay? And we're going to eat. Uh, We're not going to go to McDonald's. We're going to meet at my house, okay? And we'll do a barbecue, but, but for the men, I'd like to invite you to our home. And what we're going to do is we're just going to gather and fellowship a little bit. I want to share with you a couple of things that God's been putting on my heart uh, for, those, for the men of our church. But I really want it to be a time where you can kind of build, uh, not that you don't have connections right now, but where we just kind of work on our connections. And I think for us as men, sometimes we have to work harder at it than women do, to be real honest with you. And uh, but I'm, we're going to be doing that. So that's going to be the last Monday uh, in, in July. So looking forward to that and hope you guys will join me at my house. Otherwise, I'll just eat all the tri-tip by myself. So uh, anyway, um, so uh, today we're, we're in this series on the book of Acts, how the spirit changes everything. OK, and we're in this series, how the spirit changes everything. And ideally, ideally, I would have preached on Acts chapter three last week. But instead, I brought you a Father's Day message, and the week before that, we talked a little bit about uh, grief and worship and gratitude and how God works in our lives through that. And I felt like we needed to do those two things. So I am going to do a little bit of, um, I am going to go back a little bit to Acts 3 today. Uh, As a young man, uh, I'm talking a lot about being a young man today. I don't know why. I I just am. Uh, As a young man, I was 16 years old. 16 years old, uh, I had taken the summer uh, to go to Estes Park, Colorado, and uh, I, was, I was there uh, with a group of probably about 50 high school students from all across the country, and uh, we were all involved with the ministry uh, with CREW, with the High School Ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, and so in my house, there were five high school students, five high school guys, all of us living together, and we had two st- uh, staff members with crew living with us. Uh, Benton was 28. He was about uh, a little over 10 years older than me. And then uh, Chuck Hammond was, was uh, in his early 20s. I think he was like 23 at the time. And uh, so we were living in this house together. And uh, as high school students, we all had, uh, we had to have a job. You know, we were kind of, we were paying our own bills. And, uh, but that's why we had that many guys in one house. Otherwise, we couldn't have afforded uh, to live there, especially when I was making a buck eighty-five an hour, I was making all of a dollar eighty-five cents an hour, working for the Yum Yum Hut. Okay, the Yum Yum Hut, and uh, it was a restaurant. Hence, Yum Yum. Uh, it was a restaurant, and it was owned by uh, by John Pabst, Mr. and Mrs. Pabst, and uh, that's not their real last name. The real last name is Blue Ribbon, but anyway, but Mr. and Mrs. Pabst, they were. Awesome people. Mrs. Paps used to love to watch 
the PTL club and stuff like that. And she kind of did her makeup almost like Tammy Faye Baker, okay? Uh, and so, but she was, Mrs. Paps was awesome, okay? She was. And Mr. Paps was too. But she would try to, she would, because she knew I was a Christian, she knew we were there doing, we were doing like street evangelism, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but she would come in and she'd grab me by the hands when I'd be washing dishes. She'd come in and she'd grab me by the hands and she'd get like six inches from my face. And like my mom doesn't do that, you know. But she'd get like six inches from my face and she would start singing, it's amazing what praising can do. And she would be like singing and she would try to get me to sing with her. And you have to understand, just singing what I sang to you a moment ago is painful for me, all right? It's like I can speak in front of people, but I cannot sing in front of people. And uh, But she would try to, to get me to sing. But in this restaurant, everybody knew I was a Christian, okay? And everybody knew that I was there, part of this ministry with, with crew. They knew I was doing uh, street evangelism. And uh, the guy who ran the kitchen area was John. Okay, and John was the son of Mr. and Mrs. Pabst, and he was probably, I don't know, he was like in his late 20s. He was at least 10 years older than me, and all the guys who worked in the kitchen were all older than I was. I think Joe was like in, it was like 30 or something like that, and all these other guys. And so, um, and all of them knew that I was a Christian. All of them knew that I was there with Campus Crusade. And so one day, one day, the guys in the kitchen, there were four of them. These are four adult men. I'm a 16-year-old boy, okay? I'm all of maybe five, six at the time, weigh about 135 pounds. I'm this, like, little guy back there, you know, trying to keep everything clean. And they all come back to visit me. And each one of them begins to start asking me questions, like really, really hard questions about, you know, why does God allow evil in the world? Why does, why does, why does? And they keep asking questions, and at no point do they ever pause for me to answer. Okay? For me, as a 16-year-old kid, first of all, these are really, really good guys. I really liked every one of them. And I felt like they liked me, too. But for me, in that moment, it felt really intimidating. You understand what I mean? That, that sometimes as a follower of Jesus, we're going to find ourselves, maybe not that situation, but sometimes, sometimes as a Christian, you can face intimidation for your faith. Okay? Sometimes we can face intimidation for our faith. Sometimes we can face intimidation for what we believe. And so the question is, what do you do when you face intimidation. I remember, I remember at that moment when I was standing there with all those guys, and I remember calling to my mind the words of Jesus. I remember I'm sitting there and I'm facing these guys, and they're asking me all these questions and telling me why my Christian faith did not make sense. And I remember these words from Jesus. When you're brought before the synagogues or the kitchen help at Yum Yum Hut, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, guys who are like really old, you know, in their 20s, maybe even 30. Um, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves. Do you hear the word of Jesus? Do not worry about how to defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit, you remember that guy? We've been singing about him today. For the Holy Spirit will teach you what 
to say, uh, will teach you at that time what you should say. And I remember sitting there, or not sitting, but standing there in that moment with these guys, and I remember thinking to myself, okay, Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to say? And you know what I heard? Silence. Silence. And I just stood there silently, feeling overwhelmed, feeling completely inadequate for the task. What do you do when you face intimidation for your faith? We're going to... I'm going to share with you just a few things from Acts chapter 3 before reading for you Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. If you have your Bible, this is not on a slide. So if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to Acts chapter 3. And I just kind of want to remind you of what was happening in Acts chapter 3 because Acts 3 and Acts 4 are one story. We're looking at part 2 of a story. And in Acts 3, which we talked about, dang, three weeks ago... um, what, what was happening in Acts chapter 3 is Peter and John. You remember Peter? You remember that guy, Peter and John? Uh, John, the disciples of Jesus. And, and this is only the time frame here. We're not real sure. It could have been a few weeks. It could have been a few months. It may have been a year or two. But it was relatively soon after the cruci- crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus. And um, it was after this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost when Peter stands up, preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people bow their knee to Jesus. And 3,000 people are baptized into the church. And it's the birth of the church. Um, And so in Acts chapter 3, this is a little bit after Pentecost, maybe a year, we don't know. And so what the Bible tells us that one day Peter and John, they're going into the temple and they're going up through this gate. And it's like three in the afternoon. They're going there to pray. And they're going there to pray. And um, and they were going through this gate called the Gate Beautiful. And it's a massive was a massive gate. Beautiful. Well, that's why they called it the Gate Beautiful. It was a beautiful gate. Very, very ornate. And, uh, And they're going in. And oftentimes there would be beggars who would station themselves at strategic places like the gate called Beautiful, to beg. They would beg. They would beg for enough money to eat and live one more day. These are people who are experiencing incredible humiliation and hopelessness, and they are begging, pleading with people just for the opportunity to eat and live one more day. And so what the Bible tells us is that there were some people who were carrying this man who had been lame. And we know from the the context of the scriptures that he had been lame for over 40 years. And he was carried daily in, either by friends or family members, who who would place him there and he would beg. And the Bible tells us that, that Peter and John, they look at him and he fixes their gaze on them. And then, and then Peter says this. Peter says this. In, in Acts 3, 6. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, silver and gold I don't have. I don't have any silver and gold. But in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you say in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And what Peter does is he reaches down with his right hand, grabs him. 
pulls him to his feet. Now, when the people see this and the people hear this, a crowd comes running in. They're running in. I mean, I would, wouldn't you? I mean, I'd be like, kind of like surprised, wouldn't you? Would you be surprised? I mean, I haven't seen a lot of people who've been healed like that. I would be surprised. And I love it when, when Peter says this, uh, why does this surprise you? That's actually in the Bible. He actually asked, why does this surprise you? Didn't you expect this to happen today? Why does this surprise you? And why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had, uh, we had made this man walk? And then what Jesus says to these people, he says, by faith in the name of Jesus. Can you say in the name of Jesus? Do you think the name of Jesus is important in this text? He says this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you say and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name. You think the name of Jesus is important in this text? It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. And Peter begins to preach to them. He begins to preach to them. And he says this, and this is what he tells them. This is what we really need to hear. I need to hear this today. I need to hear this. By the way, you do too. Okay? It's what Christian people need to hear. It's what non-Christian people need to hear. But what Peter said is this. He said, repent. Repent then and turn to God. Repent. What does that mean? It means to turn from your sin. Repent. Turn back. Repent and turn to God. We don't just repent. We turn. It's not we're just turning from something. We're turning to someone. We're turning to God. Um, Peter continues to preach to them. We get to chapter 4, verse 1. Okay? So now I'm reading for you uh, from Acts chapter 4. The priest, the captain of the temple guard, and the Sadducees. You know who the Sadducees were? Okay. They were, uh, you know, yeah. Did, did I hear someone say, they were sad, you see. Okay? So, so, okay, real quick, real quick, who are the Sadducees? Okay, first of all, they're extremely wealthy. They are very powerful. They are kind of, um, you know, in cahoots with the Romans. Why? Because they want power and they want money. All right? And they're willing to do whatever's needed to have that. There were three major schools of thought in Judaism at that time. There were the Sadducees. There were the Pharisees that we may know more about. And then there were the Essenes who we don't really read about in the New Testament. But there were three major schools of thought, and, uh, and the Pharisees and the Essenes, they believed that the Old Testament scriptures was consist, consisted of what they called the Tanakh. Can you say Tanakh? Okay, Tanakh. Okay. What that means is Torah, Nebuim, and Kedavim. Nebuim and Kedavim. Okay? Well, what that means, it means the Torah, that's the law. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. That, that's, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? The, the Nevi'im, that's the prophets, okay? And they thought of the prophets slightly different from the way we do today. In that Keduvim, that would be the writings, which also included some of what we would call prophets like Daniel. But it would also include things like, like the Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Ruth, uh, several other books like that. Basically, all of the Old Testament. The Sadducees, however, only believed in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. 
uh, and they did not believe in angels, they did not believe in demons, and they did not believe in a future resurrection of the righteous. They didn't believe in a future resurrection. And so, and, and they're like, in the, in the Sanhedrin, uh, the Jewish high court, uh, the Sadducees were like the, the biggest group in, uh, in, in the Sanhedrin, okay? So they were the ones who had real power. So what the Bible tells us in chapter uh, 4, Acts 4, verse 1, the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. Can you say greatly disturbed? They were greatly disturbed. They are upset. They do not like what they see. They do not like what they hear. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now, see, they're not just proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus, although they were. But they're proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. There's a future resurrection coming and a day of judgment with it. And this was very, very upsetting. Very upsetting, uh, particularly for the Sadducees who did not believe in a resurrection. And so, verse 3, they seized Peter and John because it was evening. You're not supposed to do trials at night, although they made the exception for Jesus. Uh, They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. But look at this. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. At that time, the church in Jerusalem may have been as many as 15,000 people, including women and children. Okay, more and more people were coming to know Jesus. We read about that at the end of Acts chapter 2. And more people came to know Jesus on this particular day. Verse 5 says, the next day... The rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court, the Jewish high council. The next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, who was his son-in-law, John, Alexander, and other members of the high priest family. Uh, Actually, Annas was not high priest at this time. He had been, I don't remember the time frame that he was high priest. But you know how we refer to our former presidents as Mr. President? They did the same thing. Uh, but Caiaphas was his son-in-law. The other two guys were sons of, um, of, of Annas. And Annas was kind of like, he was kind of like the godfather uh, of the high priest. I mean, he's like, you know, it's like he's kind of like, he's not the high priest, but he's like appointing high priest. Uh, so um, you've got these very powerful men. And they had Peter and John brought before them. And they began to question Peter and John. And they asked, by what power or what name? Can you say name? Okay. I'm saying this again and again. And if it annoys you, I apologize. But I'm saying it for a reason. Because Luke is saying it again and again and again. And I want you to pay attention to what's in the text. By what power, what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Said to them, rulers, elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to this man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, 
then know this. Know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Wow. He's kind of like pointing out their guilt here. Uh, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Remember the Sadducees who don't really like the resurrection? Whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And what, what Peter does here is he quotes from the Old Testament, uh, the book of Psalms. I think it's Psalm 118. But in Psalm 118, there's this phrase about, about the, the stone that the builders rejected that became the, the, the chief cornerstone. And, and what, 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 what Peter is doing is he's saying, hey, when you rejected Jesus, you were fulfilling, you were fulfilling what, what the Old Testament Scripture said. What you did was a fulfillment of the Old Testament Scriptures. And by the way, when he refers to Jesus as the cornerstone, not just a stone, what he is saying is that Jesus is the cornerstone of all that the Old Testament teaches. You rejected the one that is at the very center of everything that the Old Testament teaches us. And then... Peter says this, wow. Salvation is found in no one else. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name. Can you say no other name? There is no other name. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note. Okay? They, 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 were, uh, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Folks, there is a way of spending time with Jesus. That is noteworthy. Did you know that? Yesterday I sent out a, 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 an email to, to you guys. Hopefully everybody got it. And I talked to you about the importance, the importance for me to spend time in the presence of Jesus every day. There's a way of spending time with Jesus that, that becomes noteworthy and people recognize it and see it. These enemies of Peter and John, these enemies of Christ, recognized in these men that they had been with Jesus. But since they could see that the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered Peter and John to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. And they asked this question, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with these men? What are we going to do with these men? They, they, everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. Folks, everyone in Jerusalem knew. Everyone in Jerusalem, whoever went to the temple, whoever went through the gate called Beautiful, they recognized that beggar. 
They saw him every time they went in for prayer. I shared the story three weeks ago about when I was in the Philippines uh, a long time ago. And I was in the Philippines, and I remember whenever we would take uh, a jeepney from the place that we were staying over to the University of Cebu, I remember that I would go, we'd always went the same, traveled the same route. And I remember always seeing this man in the same place every day. I always remember seeing him, and he was on his knees. I can't get on my knees because my left knee. I'll get it on my right knee. But he was on his knees, pretend I'm on both. And he had a walking stick right here. He had a walking stick. And he had his hand out like this. And he had no eyes. He had no eyes. I don't know if you've ever looked in the face of a person who had no eyes before. But I would see this every day. And I remember just feeling this so powerless to do anything to help this man. Uh, You know, for 40 years, people had been going into the temple. And they'd been seeing this man who was lame, lying on the ground, carried there by his friends or family, begging for food to live one more day. Um, they recognized this man standing before them. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign. We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these people to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Folks, do you, do you see what... They say here, they don't even mention the name of Jesus. Why? Because the name of Jesus for some people is extremely offensive. But for those who believe, it's the power of God for salvation. It's the power of God for salvation. Uh, Paul says it this way. He he says that, that one day... It says that, that, that God has given to Jesus the name that is above every other name. That's the name of Jesus. See, there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus is a powerful name. For some, it is an offensive name. But it is the name, it's a name with power and authority through which we can be saved. Verse 18, then they called them in again, Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Stop speaking in this name. Stop teaching in this name. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. Judge for yourselves. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Do you know what that feels like? Do you know what it feels like to, that you can't help speaking about the name of Jesus? By the way, that only happens when you spend time with Jesus the way the, the disciples did. See, when you are with Jesus the way the disciples were, and when you are filled with the Spirit the way Peter was, you can't help speaking 
about him. Where am I at? What verse? 20? Okay. Um, Verse 20, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Verse 21, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Um, I just want to share with you uh, a couple of points of application. A couple of points here. Number one, as followers of Jesus, I said a couple. Actually, it's a couple more than a couple. Uh, But... Uh, let's just say it's a couple, okay? Let's get started with that. Uh, as followers of Jesus and witnesses for him, we will face intimidation. I'm just going to tell you that. I'm, I, I really feel like sometimes people are preaching a message that, you know, if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be okay, you know? And I'm sorry, but that message isn't in the Bible. Do you realize the vast majority of the people who followed Jesus in the first century were from the poor? They were poor people, you know? I uh, Following Jesus doesn't mean your life is automatically, everything's going to be perfect. It's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, As followers of Jesus, witnesses for him, we will face intimidation. Jesus said this. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now, following Jesus doesn't mean everything's always going to be good. Sometimes we're going to face persecution or intimidation. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Those are the words of Jesus. When when Jesus was the night that he was going to be betrayed and arrested and abandoned by his friends and denied by Peter. uh, Jesus said this. He says, if the world hates you. See, that's the message we sometimes don't want to preach in churches. If the world hates you. If the world hates you. Keep in mind, it hated me first. These are the words of Jesus. Keep in mind, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. I know this isn't the sermon you came to hear. But it is what the Bible says. It is what Jesus said. And elsewhere... Paul says this, 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live godly in a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Wow. Wow. As followers of Jesus, witnesses for him, we will face intimidation at times. Okay? Most of us probably won't face quite the kind of persecution these first century Christians faced. But it might look like, you know, a bunch of cooks in the back of a kitchen saying, who do you think you are? 16-year-old, telling us about Jesus. What do you know? You know, if you know so much about God, why does God allow so much suffering in the world? You know, as followers of Jesus, witnesses for him will face intimidation. Number two, second thing I want you to see in the text of Scripture, we 
must be filled with the Spirit. Do you, in, in, I, I closed my Bible. Why did I do that? What does the Bible tell us in, in Acts chapter 4? It says, verse 8, Peter, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said. Before Peter speaks, he's what? He's filled with the Spirit. Before Peter speaks, he doesn't speak and then say, oh God, please bless what I said. Before Peter speaks, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, it's so interesting if you think about and remember, remember what happened with Peter on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested. What did Peter do? He denied Jesus three times. And then roughly about 40 days after that, roughly about 40 days, or excuse me, 50 days after that, about around 50 days after that, Peter stands up preaches one of the most powerful sermons that's ever been preached and 3,000 people come to know Jesus. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit. Peter was filled with the Spirit. By the way, you must be filled with the Spirit. You must be filled with the Spirit. You must be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says, Ephesians 5.18, be filled, be filled with the Spirit. That's an imperative. In the Greek, the Greek verb, it's an imperative. It's, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not wise counsel. It is a command. Be filled with the Spirit. By the way, the only way you're going to live out, I'm going to live out, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, is not through my power, is not through my effort. It's going to be as I walk by the Spirit. And it's going to be as you walk by the Spirit. We must be filled with the Spirit. Number three. We must courageously proclaim that Jesus is the one and only Savior of all who repent and believe in him. He's the one and only. Uh, Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. Folks, I remember a time when I walked away from God. I remember a time when I walked away from God. I remember talking with some friends of mine. We were at a football game, and uh, it was a, we were playing McClellan High School. I went to school at Mills, and we hated each other. And, um, and, uh, but I think we hated them more because we never won. They always did. But we were up in the stands, and we were talking about God. I think we were all smoking pot, too. Uh, we were very careful. We, we did it we, it's so that we wouldn't get caught. But uh, we were up there having one of those pot, you know, induced moments of spirituality, talking about God. And I think I I made this comment. I think God's like a mountain with many paths to the top. It made perfect sense to me when I was was high on dope, okay? Um, What the Bible says is it says salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You know, when Jesus was waiting to be betrayed and arrested, he said, he said this, he prayed this, three different times he prayed, God, if there is any other way, Jesus knew he was facing the cross. If there is any other way, and he prayed it a third time, God, if there is any other way, and then he said this, but not my will, but your will be done. 
folks, if there were another name, if there were another way, that God the Father owes God the Son a huge apology. Because he went to the cross needlessly. By the way, that's not a very popular message, saying that we must courageously proclaim that Jesus is the one and only Savior of all who repent and believe. That was not a popular message in the first century. It would get you put in jail. And today, in our modern world, it's not a popular message. But it is the teaching of Scripture. The fourth thing I want you to see in the text today is that we must remain steadfast and courageous in the face of intimidation. We must remain steadfast and courageous in the face of intimidation. Um, we see it in Peter and John here. Uh, let, me, let me back up a moment. Let me back up a moment. Let me back up a few years. So it's me, I'm in this kitchen and cleaning dishes and stuff, and and four guys, all of them adult young men, me, just a kid, they come in and uh, they begin to ridicule me and my faith. They ridiculed me and my faith. And I remember thinking about the words of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And I stood in front of these men and I said nothing. I said nothing. Just silence. All I heard from the Spirit that day was silence. I I told you part of the story. I didn't tell you the whole story. Um, Later that day, John, who was over the kitchen, John Pabst, I walked into the office and he was sitting there and he was working on some stuff. And uh, he looked at me and he had this big smile on his face. And he says, you know what, Gary? I just want you to know, you're a pretty cool guy. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> earlier I was like getting blasted by all these guys. And, um, and I was thinking about this. It just came to me yesterday. I said exactly what I was supposed to say. I said exactly what the Holy Spirit taught me to say. Sometimes the best thing we can say to people is nothing. Sometimes the best thing we can do when people are struggling with hard questions and objections to the faith, sometimes the best thing you can do and I can do is simply give them permission to articulate the questions they're struggling with. Perhaps even the anger that they feel. Because usually a lot of times those 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 questions and those arguments come from a place of, of deep pain. Did you know that? Sometimes it's just a stubborn, rebellious heart, but sometimes it is deep pain. It is someone who's watched a loved one die from cancer in a horrible way, suffering for months, and then dying without dignity. Sometimes these kinds of questions come from deep pain. The other thing I've learned is this, is that sometimes if you think of a chain with many links in it, sometimes I'm the first link in the chain. I'm just planting a seed with a person. 
sometimes I am the final link, meaning I'm the one who, sorry, I know this sounds crass, but I'm going to say it anyway, closes the cell. Okay? As a kid, I was a salesman. Rudy's a salesman. You know this. Salesman, what do you do? You want to close the cell. You want to close the deal. And there is a sense in which we want to close the deal between people and Jesus. We want to say, you know, will you today put your faith in Jesus? Will you repent, turn from your sin, turn to Jesus, put your faith in him, call upon him to save you? There's a time to do that. But sometimes we're not the first link, and sometimes we're not the last link. Sometimes we're a middle link. So the other day, the other day, I was sitting right back here, right here in a circle of guys, and there were, I don't know, I mean, there were probably four or five, well, probably at least five or six of us who were invested in the conversation, and then there were other guys around us. We were talking about addiction. And I had made a comment that I heard from one of my friends about being addicted to feeling good, and I made the comment, you know, uh, that I am addicted to feeling good. And for me, what does that look like through the years? And addiction to feeling good, it's like I'm not truly an alcoholic because, yeah, I've drunk, drank to the point of, well, intoxication, which, I mean, why else would you drink? But, uh, uh, but I've been drunk to the point of intoxication wanting to feel good. I have been high wanting to feel good. I've had sex wanting to feel good. I've watched TV to numb the pain in my heart and my mind. I've even pursued achievement and accomplishment to feel better about myself. Why exist? By the way, every single person here today, every single one of you is addicted to something. If nothing else, it's called sin. Every one of us needs to be recovered by a Savior. So on that night, I was uh, you know, I, to feel good, I've eaten a box of Cocoa Krispies before. Can you imagine that? I know my reputation is destroyed now, okay? So we're talking about addiction. I made this comment, and um, one of the guys said, he said, he asked me, and I remember you sitting in that chair right there. He said to me, he says, so why the change? What happened? Why the change? And I shared with him, and I shared with the other guys. I said, well, I was about 16 years old. And I had these friends of mine who were all Christians. They were following Jesus. I was not. And I saw in them a sense of meaning and purpose. And I saw in them, I, I mean, I was filled with fear. I was filled with anger. I was filled with insecurity. I was filled with so much pain. And the only time I felt good about myself was when I was high. And I saw something in those guys that I wanted for myself. It was at that point I committed my life to Jesus. And God began to change my life. And I began to share with them how I began reading through the Bible and reading through the book of Acts, just like we're doing right now. And, you know, it was so fascinating because these guys were like, and the one guy says to me, the one who had asked me, yeah, but what did you do? It's like he's like, well, what I did was I told him the same thing. And, and you know, here's the thing is, is that, that I don't believe I'm the one who's supposed to close the cell. And I wasn't, my word was not the first word with these guys. I was one of many. God wants us to be witnesses for Jesus. We, we've been talking about this. This is what the book of Acts is about. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. 
Um, as followers of Jesus and witnesses for him, I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to join me up here. As followers of Jesus, witnesses for him, we will face intimidation. We must be filled with the Spirit. We must courageously proclaim that Jesus is the one and only Savior of the world, of all who repent and believe. And we must remain steadfast and courageous in the face of intimidation. Let's pray. God, you are a good God. You are always faithful. We thank you so much, God, for the gift of your Son, uh, that Jesus came, that he died for us, and that he rose again. And that we have hope in him. We thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. God, we thank you for the gift of your spirit. That, that, you know, apart uh, from the filling work of the spirit in our lives, we really can't do anything. But through him, we can begin to live lives of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we can be powerful witnesses for you. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Empower us with your spirit. Help us, God, to be witnesses why we're at. God, give us wisdom. Uh, Give us wisdom to know how we should respond to each person. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Wow, great message today. That was super good. Thank you. Well, a couple of announcements before we close out today. Uh, First of all, just a reminder about our small groups. And, you know, small groups are just a great place to get to know people, establish friendships, stay connected, and really grow in your walk with God. So um, you can check out our SVC app and see what groups we have going. Um, I'm leading a women's group at my house on Sundays, and I know Gary's leading a men's group at our house on Thursdays, and we've got some other options there. So uh, make sure you check that out. Um, Also, next Sunday, uh, July 2nd, we're going to have an ice cream social after church. So I'm super excited about that. So I hope you'll join us next Sunday. That's July 2nd for um, an ice cream social. And can't wait to see all the flavors. I know it's going to be great. So we hope you will join us for that. Um, Also, for our revival prayer. So seeking God's face for revival is a priority. And so the first Sunday of every month, we meet right here at 630 in the evening and we seek God's face. Um, in worship and praying for revival for our community, for our church, for our state, and for our world. And so we'd love to invite you to join us for revival prayer. Um, That's the first Sunday of the month right here at 6.30 p.m. And also um, worshiping God through our giving. You know, it's such a joy to give to someone that you believe in. And I think when you start to follow Jesus, it really becomes this honor to really be a part of building God's kingdom and and trusting him in that area of our life and finances. So I want to say thank you to all of you who are giving faithfully to the ministry of Solana Valley. And uh, there are several ways you can give. If you're here in person, you can put your giving. um, We've got a silver slot in the back. You can put that in there. Or there's several online options as well. You can check that out on our app. So we'd like to invite you to stand up as we close with worship. And I just want to say, Becky, what a joy it's been having you lead us in worship today. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Living God, Spirit of the Living God, we only want to hear your voice.
hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more. Hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want
Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice, hanging on every word. Thank you so much for coming, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Take care.